two logistic announcements uh, for today's Mass. Uh, one is that we have a second collection today. And again, we're tithing parish. We're actually not at a full tithe yet, but we're working our way there. Every year we get closer. I think we're at 7% of our income this year is going out the doors to good Catholic organizations. But anyway, uh, there are some mandatory second collections that we don't have a choice, but we have to do. Today is one of those. And the second collection after communion is for retired and infirm priests, which is a good thing, right? We need to take care of them. Um, secondly, the Archbishop has allowed, again, people to receive communion on the tongue. And we were trying to think about how do we facilitate that in a way that makes everyone feel safe uh, and just like they can come to Mass and be reverent and love God and just not worry about it. And so the way we're going to do that is in the main communion stations in front of the altar will be only if you're receiving communion by hand. And then I'm going to go in front of the St. Joseph statue over here. And if you wish to receive on the tongue, that's where I'll be. And so you can come to that line over there. Okay, a couple like just cool things before we get to our main point today in our gospel. First of all, as I always say, whenever this reading comes up, this gospel reading is not just in Matthew's gospel, and so we hear it in different years. Um, and I always just kind of laugh, and I hope that, you know, when you read scripture and something weird happens, I always hope that it makes you ask deeper questions, right? And today it's just so weird. It's like, there's a guy who's not dressed properly, so Jesus is like, well, you do the natural thing. You tie him up and you throw him outside into the outer darkness where there's weeping and grinding of teeth, right? You probably did that at your wedding, right? <laughs> I had a wedding yesterday, and there was a guy in jeans, and I'm like, dude, you are totally going to get, like, tied up and thrown in a trunk. Um, that should make us wonder what's going on. Uh, and we're going to get to that at the latter point of today's homily, but a couple of really cool things... One thing this homily always makes me think of, and this is a really important point to start off with. Jesus finishes today, right? And he says, many are called, but few are chosen. There's a caveat here. Many are called. That word many in Greek is, is polus. And that's the same word Jesus says at the Last Supper, right? When he takes the chalice, and he says, this is my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for, it says, many. But here's the caveat. That word, that word can be translated many, or really what it means is all. And we translate it many usually because in the more strict sense, that's what it means. But really... Almost all through the New Testament, in context, when that word is used, is being evoked in a sense of all. And I love this. One of the most beautiful things about our faith, right? Catholic means universal. Brothers and sisters, our faith is not a club for the elite. It is not a refuge for those who have overcome everything in their life. The call is for everyone. That's so important. And maybe you're here at Mass today, or th those folks watching at home, 
And I know myself as a priest, sometimes I feel like maybe this call isn't really for me. Right? Maybe I just don't measure up. And in fact, I hope you do feel that way sometimes because you don't measure up. And, and when people think they do, those are the ones I'm most suspicious of. And I think they miss the good news of the gospel. Jesus says today, he says, many or all are called, but few are chosen. And we'll get to the, that second part here. But the good news to start with, no matter what's happening in your life, Jesus calls out to you. Right? The Father's merciful love, the death of Jesus on the cross, the call to the wedding feast is for every single one of us. Now the flip side of this, and this is where a lot of Christians today get this wrong, and I think of this, here's one practical application to this homily, is that you might get that question, I get it all the time, Father Brian, why can't everyone receive communion in the Catholic Church. And I love to have deeper discussions with people about that because it, it, it defies a one-line answer. It's too deep for that. But my best one-line answer is this. Everyone is invited. Everyone. But not on their own terms. Because usually when people say, Father Brian, the Catholic Church is so unwelcoming. Why can't everyone receive communion? And my, my line is, Jesus calls everyone. Every single one of us is called to communion and eternal life in him, but not on your terms. And so many people, they say, I want to come to communion. And I'm like, do you want to believe in what the Catholic faith teaches that was established by Jesus Christ? They're like, <laughs> let's just back up here. I don't really want that. And I'm like, bind them hand and foot and cast them to the outer. No, just kidding. I don't really say that. But you see my point. And that's not just true for non-Catholics. That's true for you and I. God loves you more than anything. He gave everything he had for you to call you to the wedding feast. And brothers and sisters, you are called there, but not on your own terms. And every one of us, through the course of our life, we have to turn to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, I hunger for that eternal life that only you can give. And Jesus, it's so easy for me to substitute what I want and pretend that it's your will. And Lord, cleanse my heart and my mind and my vision that I wouldn't deceive myself, Lord, but that I would always submit to you. That's super important. Okay, but what I want to talk to you about today, I really want to dive into your desires. St. Augustine, in one of my favorite sermons that I like to quote from him, he says, the entire Christian life is about that heart of yours. It's about what's going on in here. It's about what do you love and what do you desire. And Augustine says that at the end of the day, what you love is what you will receive. And, and in the modern world, we're kind of used to thinking, well, it's just preferences. You like KBCO, I like KTCL, no one listens to radio anymore, so whatever. You like hip-hop, and I like Gregorian chant, um, as you would expect. 
that's how I roll. But we just think it's all preferences, and there's no difference. And today I just want to challenge you on that. St. John of the Cross says, uh, in the evening of life, when God judges us, we will be judged on love alone. And so what you love in your heart, the direction your heart goes, brothers and sisters, says a lot about who you are. And the truth I want to give to you today is that your heart is not just completely a closed book. You have the power inside of your soul to form your loves. You have that power. So one way of looking at the Christian life, right? our, our faith is about love. It's about love. And sometimes, right, we, and we can look at our lives and we can say, you know what? We have excessive loves and we have deficient loves. We have excessive loves and we have deficient loves. What do I mean by that? One way of looking at sin, and St. Augustine does this, is he says, that heart of yours sometimes loves things it shouldn't. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about Dante. And Dante, right, he talks about envy as either sorrow at another's good or another way you could say it is love of another's harm. Right? And so you and I can actually love evil things. And that's, that's more obvious. But today's gospel, what Jesus is getting at, is you and I can have excessive love of good things. And what do I mean is that sometimes there's something that we shouldn't love as much as we do. There are certain things we shouldn't love as much as we do. I mean, maybe, you know, if you, like I remember going on a backpacking trip one time. And, and we were with this group of people. And there was one person in our crew who shall remain nameless. Father Mike, no, just kidding, it's not him. Um, but who, like, they, they loved comfort. It really was not him. He would never be like this anyways. He's on the other side. Father Mike loves adventure and craziness, and everyone's like, you are putting all of our lives in danger. So he's the opposite. But this one person, they, they loved comfort too much. And comfort's a good thing. I love being comfortable. But if you love it too much, it can become disordered to the point where you are not free to pursue better things. Marriages break down because of these kinds of things. If a spouse, right, I don't know, if, if, some, if one spouse just loves spending money, that can cause massive problems in a marriage. The love of money, right, is called avarice. And you and I can love good things, but if we love them disproportionately, it keeps us from loving the things we really should. And I guarantee you, every single one of us can name like two or three things in our life that are exactly like that. I know I can. My, when I was, I was on vacation, and one of my friends I was on vacation with, she goes, she said, Father Brian, your like, whole life kind of revolves around meals, doesn't it? And I'm like, 
maybe. <laughs> What's it to you? And Father Jason's like, yeah. He was like, I gained six pounds just eating your food. I was like, okay, I get the point. We can love good things, but if they're disproportionate, it's good for us to say, you know what? I need to let go of some of this. And in the gospel today, right, the father throws a wedding feast for his son. Behold, I have made ready my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the marriage feast. But they made light of it and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, Right? And, and in other Gospels, it, it, it goes a little bit more in detail on that. We have better things to do. And sometimes I can love my comfort. I can love my fitness. I can love my entertainment. I can love pleasure in my life to a degree that's not healthy. And then when something way better comes along... The thing that I was made for itself comes knocking at my door. I say, you know, I think I've, I'd rather have these lesser things. So that's the first danger today, brothers and sisters. And I encourage you, you've got to look at your life and say, to the degree that I love earthly things, that can actually inhibit me from loving greater things. The second point is this, so we can have excess love of lesser goods, but probably the more important point is that we can have deficient love of greater goods. Deficient love of greater goods. And all that means is there are some things in your life that you know you're supposed to love, and you don't love them as much as you should. The greatest thing, the, the, the thing that you were created for the thing that is beautiful and true and good and beyond all comprehension is God himself. And one of the problems you and I have, I see this all the time, I was in a very deep discussion with my priestly fraternity last night and we were talking about the transcendence of God. And what we mean by that is that we have this idea of God where we truncate him, we reduce him, and we make him something far less than he is. Brothers and sisters, God made you for himself. And usually we think of God, we think of Jesus and the Father and the Spirit, and we think of them as, as kind of like normal people like us. And that is not true. The beauty and the goodness the transcendence, the truth of God, his being himself is beyond what eye has seen or ear has heard. The wedding feast of the Lamb would surpass all of, it will surpass all of your greatest desires and you can form your heart that way. You can say right now, today at Mass, this morning at 10 a.m., you can say to Jesus, Lord, I have loved lesser things, and I don't know why. But Lord, my heart is set free when I love what is greater. 
Jesus, you who loved us with a perfect love, your glory is beyond anything any of us can know. And Jesus, I want my heart to desire that more and more and more. By the way, when we do that, our faith moves from being an obligation and something we know we should do, and it becomes the joy of our life. When our heart loves God, what happens when we go to Sunday Mass, right? It doesn't feel like one more thing on our list of to-dos. I felt a little bit that way this morning. The priest who was supposed to say 8 a.m. didn't show. And I was like, my stress level immediately went like here. I don't know why I told you that. (laughs) But anyway, but when we come and our hearts are in it, it's not just an obligation. We say, Jesus, Sunday Mass, and my faith is the joy of my life. St. Augustine, and I'll leave you with this, with with this section. St. Augustine says, the entire life is that one line from the Mass, the entire Christian life. Today in Mass, a priest says, lift up your hearts, and you say, we lift them up to the Lord. And Augustine's sermon on this, he says, do you really? Or do you just say the words? The entire Christian life is a lifting up of our hearts to Christ. And when we do that, our desires bring us into the love of heaven. Finally today, last last kind of piece here is, okay, so what's that wedding garment? Right, that's a constant question that's been asked as long as this parable has existed. Why, Why does that person, what is the wedding garment that he lacks, that he's cast out of the wedding because of? And there's a couple different answers, and in in one sense, they're all the same answer. One very credible answer would be it's your baptismal garment. Right? You can't enter into the wedding feast of heaven if you haven't been baptized. The New Testament's clear about that. And there's caveats, but that's for another time. But today, I just want to give you one line from Revelation 19. Right? I know you love that chapter. In Revelation 19... What happens is we're at the wedding feast of the Lamb. And so the the crowd there cries out, right? The joy of my heart, Jesus, I long for heaven. I long for that place where my soul is ordered, where I no longer love lesser things more than greater things, where I can enter into that fullness of joy. And the crowd in heaven cries out, it says, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory. Right? Don't you want to be a part of that? Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. I want to be a part of that crowd that is the bride of Christ, the church. And has prepared herself for the wedding. How does she do it? It was granted her to be clothed with fine linen, right? We're talking about a wedding garment. And here we are, the wedding of the Lamb. It was granted her to be clothed with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. The fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints.
Many or all are called, but few are chosen. If you love God, right, if, you, if your desire is for Him, if you have learned to love Him more than your own comfort, more than your own pleasure, more than the Broncos, whatever else, if you've learned to put Him first, brothers and sisters, you will love the poor, you will stand up for the unborn, you will love truth more than comfort, which is why you will speak out against the evil of abortion, you will stand up for marriage, as being between one man and one woman because you know that the truth is more important than what's popular. You will love people enough to call them to the truth. And that will be your wedding garment. Jesus, today, Lord, I reject the lesser things that steal my love for you. Lord God, those smaller things that are good, but they're less, and I have loved them too much. And so Jesus, help all of us, Lord, to love those things less, but to love you more. May our hearts be lifted up to you in this Mass, in all the days of our life. And Lord, may we be clothed in the white garments of righteous deeds.